Welcome to the Tico Times Dispatch. Today, we have a special Valentine's Day episode. We're talking love, Costa Rican love. We asked some of our readers and staff to share their Costa Rican love stories with the world. Some involve romantic love that ends up producing top-notch reporters. Others involve backseat encounters in Costa Rican taxis. And some are just plain animalistic. There's even sloth on sloth love. Sloths aren't normally social or loving creatures, but one little sloth's desire to hug helped turn one biter into a hugger. Here's the story of Sia and Rachel, told by Denise Gillen, the Toucan Rescue Ranch sloth nanny. Love can appear in all forms, even in animals that aren't affectionate by nature. We received a young orphan sloth who we named Rachel, and due to temporary medical issues, she couldn't join our other orphans. And eventually, she was given a clean bill of health, so as we do with all the others, we introduced her to the group. The other sloths were a little smaller, and they did approach her, wanting to lick noses with her, which is how they greet each other, but Rachel wasn't having any part of it. She just wanted to bite any sloth that approached her. So we were a little frustrated. Enter Sia about a week later. Sia was a little bit larger and about the size of Rachel, and so we decided this might be a really good pairing, but would Rachel accept Sia? So we kind of held our breaths and put them together, and Sia immediately started licking Rachel's nose, and Rachel, of course, did her usual biting, but Sia just wrapped her arms tightly around Rachel and gave her a big hug, and Rachel decided that maybe biting wasn't being very effective and just started hugging Sia back. Ever since then, they've been inseparable. It's been about four months now, and they are best friends until they go out to be big, wild sloths. It's pretty cool. Catherine Stanley, our managing editor, is an expert on love and writing. Her book, Love in Translation, features stories about a woman falling in love with Costa Rica. My years in Costa Rica have been guided, sustained, and enlivened by a long-term relationship spanning almost the entire period. Like most any relationship, it's had its ups and downs, but it's also been there for me through thick and thin, through rainstorms and heartbreak. In February, the month of love, I find myself reflecting on 14 years of heart-to-hearts and steadfast friendship. I'm not talking about my husband. I could say any of those things about him too, but I'm referring here to my friends, the taxistas, the armchair or driver's seat philosophers and politicians, the distinguished and the mulleted, the reserved and the jovial. They've held my hand, figuratively speaking, of course, through many a learning curve and taught me almost as many dichos, refranes, and obscure street addresses as my husband himself. My love for taxistas is not universal. You roll the dice whenever you close one of those oh-so-fragile red doors. Don't ever, ever slam them, as I learned on day one. Just as they roll the dice when picking up a new client. There's plenty not to love. The reggaetoneros who slouch way down under the weight of their chains and scoot so far back that no one can sit behind them without yogic contortion. The ones who call their entire families, text incessantly, or watch movies while driving. The ones who act as though they have a personal vendetta against everyone else on the road, which they very well might. 
The ones who sigh as if you're asking them to break a $100 bill when you provide 2,000 colones for a ride costing 1,500. So they're taxistas and they're taxistas. But on the whole, I love the river of amiable, chatty, and well-informed men who have carried me around the city day after day and week after week. When I was a reporter, I never wasted a cab ride. I'd always give the address and in the next breath, ask his opinion of the bill I just learned about or the politician I just interviewed. I was rewarded with seas of information, some questionable but most very useful, about corruption, dalliances, promises unfulfilled. I heard just about every opinion under the sun, but almost always with the same basic yearning for a safer, fairer, cleaner Costa Rica with better roads, of course. As the years went on, the conversations got a bit more personal as if the taxi drivers who were shuttling me were a single person I was getting to know over time and not hundreds of different men. Maybe I was feeling more comfortable in my new home. Maybe the years in Costa Rica were slowly loosening my reticent Yankee tongue. Regardless, I usually learned much more than I told. Late night rides are conducive to confessionals, and the shared pain of a rush hour odyssey can make fast friends of anyone. I had surprising chats about love, parenthood, infertility, adoption, divorce, death. One man told me how he came home one night to find all of his belongings on fire in the street. Another, as we listened to Puccini, told me about his lifelong dream to visit the Metropolitan Opera House in New York. Most of all, I learned about language. Showing admiration for one turn of phrase was a sure way to elicit a deluge of instruction. One man waxed poetic about his wife and asked whether I had found my media naranja, my half orange. I could infer what this meant and was charmed. I instantly pictured two half oranges rolling around the street looking for each other straight out of Plato. I was engaged at the time, I think, and in a romantic frame of mind, so I said to him, I love that. How else do Costa Ricans talk about love? A half hour later, I'd heard about everything from the light of my eyes to the sun of my spring to tal pa cual, this for that, kind of like two peas in a pod, to my all-time favorite, la horma de mi zapato. La horma is the figure a shoemaker uses to shape or reshape a shoe. It's a way of saying you found your perfect fit, but I also love the idea of a shoe coming home, bedraggled and misshapen, and draping itself over a nice, sturdy wooden shoe tree like the ones my dad used to use. That's marriage for you. Sometimes you're the bedraggled old shoe, and sometimes you're the sturdy shoe tree, and you try to avoid both being the old shoe at the same time. That evening, as I got ready to head home from work, I realized with a curse that I'd left my frumpy walking shoes in that man's taxi. They were too old and cheap to warrant calling the cooperative and tracking down the driver, but it meant that I wouldn't be able to walk all the way home from work since I could no more make that trek in my heels than I could fly. I had an outrageously annoying commute home that night, hobbling in my office shoes through the rain, sitting on a series of humid buses, then plunging into a giant puddle when I finally reached my neighborhood. I felt low, lonely, 
and homesick as I do whenever San Jose shows me its claws. I walked up to our garden gate, opened it, and went in. There, bedraggled and misshapen, were my walking shoes. Clearly, the taxi driver had found them at some point in the day, realized that only one woman in his daily labors could possibly be gigantic enough to wear such boats, remembered my address, came by and tossed them over the fence with enough skill to make them land under our outdoor table so they wouldn't get too wet in the rain. All I could think was, la horma de mi zapato. The form that shapes and reshapes us can be a partner, a child, a parent, a friend. It can be a whole country. It can be a kindly confederacy of taxi drivers whose wit and wisdom can salvage the grumpiest day. Then there's a tale of two toucans, Peggy and Sunshine. Both toucans are missing a foot, but they ended up finding each other. Here's their story told by Toucan Rescue Ranch marketing intern, Josephine Repschlager. Peggy and Sunshine make a very special couple. We are not sure if it was a birth defect or an infection that caused one of Sunshine's feet to be missing. Apparently, she fell out of her nest, was rescued and then brought to us, where she was raised to grow into the beautiful chestnut mandible toucan she is today. Toucans are very playful, but can also be really tough towards each other too. After being attacked by her former partner Moonshine, she now lives together in harmony with Peggy. Peggy came in seriously injured, where her foot had to be amputated. Who knows, you could almost assume they were meant for each other, both missing their left foot. Since day one, they lean on each other. This beautiful friendship is incredibly humbling to look at, and seeing them together never fails to brighten up everyone's day at the Toucan Rescue Ranch. And then there's Lorita. She spent 30 years locked in a small cage, but thanks to the Toucan Rescue Ranch, she was able to spread her wings and her heart to more than just one parrot. Here's the Toucan Rescue Ranch marketing specialist, Zara Palmer, with Lorita's story. Meet Lorita. Lorita is a mealy Amazon and a former illegal pet brought to us by Manai. Her owners claimed her to be too noisy. <laughs> they weren't wrong. Lorita loves to sing, scream, and even say her own name. She came in a small cage with metal perches with no feathers on her chest. Her feet were completely black from the condition of the cage. We asked about her history, and she had spent 15 years with one lady and another 15 years with the prior owner, who finally then turned her into Manai. Her whole life, she never left that tiny cage where she sat for 30 years. We changed her diet to include fruits, vegetables, and seeds, as well as building her a new and larger enclosure so she could bathe. Within months, her feathers grew back. Lorita was finally enjoying and exploring her new world. She had to learn to move and stretch and play with toys as well. She loved her new aviary where she shared it with fellow parrots rescued from the illegal pet trade and some, who like her, were kept as pets for many years. As the years passed, she started to flirt. A lot. With two parrots. 
Jake and Jack. She preens them, kisses them, and sleeps right next to them, going between the two parrots freely. After all, with her old spirit, she hasn't skipped a beat when it comes to falling in love. Happy Valentine's Day. There's also love at first monkey. Here's the story of how Alejandro Zuniga, one of our reporters, came to be. So, um, one more time, do you just want to give me a little bit of background um, about who you are and then what your relation is to me? Okay. I am Marcy Sachs. I am a U.S. history professor at Albion College in Michigan. I am also your mother. <laughs> this is very exciting. I've never interviewed my mom before. Pulitzer oh. worthy, I'm certain. <laughs> so uh, can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with Costa Rica and why, <laughs> why you might be an appropriate candidate for our Valentine's Day episode at the Tico Times? I have the best Costa Rican love story in the history of Costa Rican love stories, I think. Um, I, when I graduated college a long, long, long time ago, I um, decided I was going to travel before going to graduate school. So um, I was thinking about where to go and opted for five months of travel in Ecuador and then Costa Rica as two countries that were safe places for a young woman to travel alone, um, to go with a backpack, though I did not speak any Spanish. Uh, I got to Costa Rica after two months of traveling in Ecuador. Uh, I spoke a tiny bit of Spanish at that point, and I decided I would volunteer in the national park system. Uh, And in the second park I landed in, I wound up in Manuel Antonio, a really wonderful place for a love story. Do I just keep going? Um, so, so I've heard this story quite a few times, uh, but our listeners have not. Uh, so, so you got to Manuel Antonio, and and what happened from there? Well, I uh, I was planning on three weeks of volunteering in Manuel Antonio, and um, walked into the park uh, from being let out by the bus somewhere outside of the park in Quepos. Um, had my big backpack on my back and hiked into the park up to the ranger house where apparently um, two park rangers or two men who worked in the park saw me coming. Um, One elbowed the other and kind of nudged him and said, huh, look who's coming. And the other took one look and left for a week. He's now my husband. Um, So I spent a week in the park getting to know the park. Do you need me to stop? No, I'm laughing. Oh, okay. You did on my end. Okay. Um, so I, I spent a week uh, learning my way around the park and volunteering and doing the work that they asked me to do. Um, and then about a week in, this tall, very handsome man walked into the ranger house where we were having dinner, acting like he owned the place. He had a motorcycle helmet under his arm, and he strode in, and I was um, attracted because he was very handsome. Uh, anyway, so over the next few days, I tried to get to know him, and he really wasn't all that interested. Um, he was doing interesting work with insects, um, collecting them and then mounting them in these wooden boxes, and I wanted to know what he was doing. And most of the time, he kind of acted like I was annoying him when I tried to sit down and have not very good conversations because my Spanish was poor. 
Um, but after a couple of days, the rangers found a capuchin monkey in Kepos. Somebody in Kepos had this monkey, which apparently is not allowed. That wildlife has to remain in the park. It was a baby monkey. So they brought the monkey back into the park to arrange to um, find a place, a reserve, where they could send this little monkey. Um, I thought this monkey was really, really cute and decided that I would take care of the monkey for the day. Um, so I took this monkey and I was cuddling him and, and enjoying taking care of him. But after a while, I had to go get some work done. So I decided to hand off the monkey so I could get my work done. And this fellow who had not really paid any attention to me um, said he would take the monkey while I went off and worked. So I came back about an hour and a half later and I found this baby monkey on the roof of the ranger house screaming and crying and I was heartbroken because this poor little monkey was really upset. Well, it turned out the monkey had peed on him and he put the monkey in a tree and the monkey had climbed to the roof and couldn't get back down. I decided this park ranger was really not worth my time. He was not such a nice guy after all and I was done. He, on the other hand, was so moved by how upset I was over the poor little baby monkey that he took his motorcycle, drove off to Kepos, bought me a chocolate and a Tico Times newspaper, which he brought back into the park that evening. And now we're married. <laughs> <laughs> and now some number of years later, uh, I work at the Tico Times and you're recounting your story for a podcast. Which is a little bit crazy. So yes, it has been... Um, 26 and a half years of being married, I have told everyone that I brought home the best souvenir that a person could possibly find in all of Costa Rica. Um, and, and, and we have two kids who love Costa Rica and are Costa Ricans. Um, and it's been, it's been a good love story. Well, mom, thank you so <laughs> yeah. much for the time to record this. Oh, good grief. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> this will be very embarrassing when I hear it back at myself. It'll be great. <laughs> That's it for our special Valentine's Day episode. We'll be telling Costa Rican stories every month on this podcast. So send us your Costa Rican stories on WhatsApp at 8709-6951 or email us at editorial at ticotimes.net. I'm Alexander Riegas assistant editor at the Tico Times. This podcast was produced by Catherine Stanley, Alejandro Zuniga, and me. It was recorded, edited, and put together by Ignacio Tristan. Key to the Toucan Rescue Ranch for their animal love stories. The Toucan Rescue Ranch helps rescue and re-release wild animals who've been injured, orphaned, or kept in captivity. You can help them out by donating over at toucanrescueranch.com. Happy Valentine's Day.